0: As we come into the presence of the Lord, just like when we first meet someone, the most powerful moment is the one where we hear them speak. Hear now as God speaks from his word. The first passage is Exodus 20, 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, blessed the Sabbath day, and made it holy. Second passage is Nehemiah 13, 15 through 22. In those days I saw in Judah people treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in heaps of grain and loading them on donkeys, and also wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of loads, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them on the day when they sold food. Tyrians also, who lived in the city, brought in fish and all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath to the people of Judah, In Jerusalem itself. Then I confronted the nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this evil thing that you are doing, profaning the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers act in this way? And did not our God bring all this disaster on us and on this city? Now you are bringing more wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. As soon as it began to grow dark in the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I commanded that the doors should be shut and gave orders that they should not be opened until after the Sabbath. And I stationed some of my servants at the gates that no load might be brought in on the Sabbath day. Then the merchants and sellers of all kinds of wares lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice. But I warned them and said to them, Why do you lodge outside the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time on, they did not come on the Sabbath. Then I commanded the Levites that they should purify themselves and come and guard the gates to keep the Sabbath day holy. Remember this also in my favor, O God, and spare me according to the greatness of your steadfast love. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Diana. We have a lot of ground to cover on this one as we are continuing to preach through the Ten Commandments and now come to the fourth commandment about the Sabbath. So let's pray and dive in. God, Father, we come before you now on this, the day that you've called us together. And as we seek to hear from your word, I pray that you would be with all of us as we're sinners, as we sit under it. Be with me, a sinner, as I seek to proclaim it. Pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I remember as a kid um, a church showing of the movie chariots of fire which if you've been around for a while you there's a good chance you've seen and it's about the Olympics in 1924 and about these two athletes but really the central hero is this one athlete named Eric Little and Eric Little was this record-breaking sprinter And he was also a devout scottish presbyterian who after the events of the movie became a missionary to china for the rest of his life But the reason that's important is because what the movie's about is little qualifies for the hundred meter dash in the olympics And this is all based on truth But it turns out that they're running the hundred on a sunday and because of his religious convictions eric little won't run And what actually happens is he ends up running the 400 instead and um if you know anything about the olympics running the 400 is not the same thing as running the 100 and um but he chooses to do it because he is feels that he's supposed to keep this day holy and not do things like that on it and they made the movie about it because he did end up winning the gold medal in the 400 even though he did that but as far as he knew that wasn't you know that wasn't a sure thing at all right he was taking this enormous risk with this gift and i remember as a teenager in youth group watching that movie and thinking Who in the world does that? I I don't know anybody who would have that kind of conviction See, it's funny to me as much as certain people romanticize movies like that one As we dig into the fourth commandment this morning It is really different from really any of the other ten commandments In that many christians today have decided that in its kind of immediate and direct sense It just doesn't apply anymore that is a common idea. It's really the opposite. We've talked about how many of the commandments people are used to the idea that it has a sort of narrow application, but they miss that there's sort of a broader category of things that calls us to. For many people today, we're okay with the idea that the fourth commandment is a, broad, a broader category, but the idea that it actually is applicable in its narrow sense is something that many people don't hold. If um, You can't tell from the way I said that. I don't actually think that's the case and our tradition actually does think that the fourth commandment is binding in its narrow sense too But I say that because we're going to do something very different than we've done with any of the other ten commandments this morning What we're going to do is first we're going to talk about the broader picture We're going to talk about the category and principles of things that the fourth commandment would call us to And then we're going to talk more specifically about that question of are we still called to keep the sabbath? But first let's talk about those three big principles and there's really three of them And the first one is that work is good work is good And that might be a strange place to start given what this commandment is about But begin reading it. It says remember the sabbath day by keeping it holy And then it says six days you shall labor and do all your work There's actually a command there one of the Commands given in the in this commandment is to work on those six days Work is not a bad thing in the eyes of scripture Uh, From the beginning we are made to work back in the garden of eden before sin when god creates adam It says um, that the lord god took the man and put him in the garden of eden to work it and take care of it He's got a job to do The author of Ecclesiastes, reflecting on human life in the world, he says this. He says, there is nothing better than that all should enjoy their work, for that is their lot. And the New Testament, likewise, repeatedly says things like this one. This is from Paul's letter to the Colossians. And he's talking about our earthly jobs. And he says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the lord christ you are serving So god created us to work and as christians We are called to work hard at our jobs and seek to serve the lord in them Now a couple of clarifications of that first of all work is good But it is also challenging and sometimes frustrating in our world while god creates us for work Um because of human sin and rebellion work is also under a curse and so saying that it's good. does not dismiss the fact that for some of us, there's a lot of struggle in our jobs. And it also doesn't mean that we shouldn't be wise about our work and things like what jobs we do. We should find work that is a good fit for us, and um, and we should labor in it. Those things are true, but that doesn't change the underlying truth that work is also a good thing in God's design. We should also say that work in that sense is not just the thing you do to get you a paycheck. Um, in our modern world, we kind of separate the world into like work and then home and then I don't know like other stuff that we do. But that distinction really only happened within the last hundred years. For most of history, the home was really the center of of work. I mean in the first place almost everyone was farmers. And if you are or know a farmer today, you already get that sense that those lines are blurred. And everyone kind of understood that things like, you know, sewing your clothes and making things at home and cooking were just as much part of the family as what you did out of the field in those sorts of farming things in fact the the old greek word for home is oikonomia or economy that's (laughs) i mean there's the sense that that's the heart of it and i say that because work includes things that aren't just jobs with paychecks that's especially important for example if you're in a, a marriage where one spouse happens to be caring for and working in the home in ways that don't involve a paycheck but that's also important for all of us it means that things we do um that that aren't um that aren't a part of our jobs right caring for our houses That's a part of the work that god's called us to things like some of you volunteer at nonprofits or are engaged with things like Like community theater or whatever all of that can be seen as a part of the work that we're given But all of that is also part of what god calls us to do. So work is good the fourth commandment assumes that and then it sets aside one day for Um, For other things it says that we set aside one day for worship and for rest for worship and rest And that start start with the second one with rest if you keep reading in the commandment It says but the seventh day is a sabbath to the lord your god And on it you shall not do any work Neither you nor your sons or your daughters nor your male or female servants nor your animals nor any foreigner residing in your towns So israel is called to rest and notice the breadth of that commandment It's really making clear like no like everything rests Now part of that is probably out of a concern for justice Because it would be very easy for the israelites to say like oh like we're supposed to not work today So, you know servants, you know people that aren't israelites living around here We're just going to make you do all the work today. And so it's trying to safeguard against that But it's also stressing that God really does value this rest. The principle of that is that rest is necessary. Rest is necessary. Some people struggle with the sin of laziness. But many of us, in the name of not struggling with that sin, instead sin by failing to rest as we should. We work too much and we are too busy and fail to take the time we need for our bodies and our spirits to recover if you look at verse 11 God reminds Israel of his own example he says for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea and all that is in them but he rested on the seventh day therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and make it made it holy so that's calling back to Genesis 1 and 2 and a lot of people read that and they're like wait why did God rest did God have to rest And the answer to that is no, but even more than that god didn't have to spend six days making things, right? He's god he could just like that and have created everything the the reason that genesis 1 and 2 Picture creation as this week is because it's meant to tell something to us About how god designed us to work in the world that just like the lord We are called to work hard, but also that we need rest It's a part of how this world in creation is made. We are limited And finite creatures and god designed us to be limited and finite creatures. We don't have endless energy. We don't have endless time and so We need to recognize that especially because we live in a culture That tends to view any limitation as a problem (laughs) It wants to say that you know any limitation any ability you have to to not to not do constantly be going and constantly be doing that um That we need to somehow free people from that whereas scripture would insist that no from the beginning We are designed that way Why do we struggle with that idea? And why does our culture struggle? Well, I remember hearing a pastor um, tim keller say Something like this. I couldn't find the quote exactly, but I remember him commenting on the fourth commandment He said it's striking to me and he lives in new york city where this is probably especially pronounced But he says it's striking to me that I can have conversations with people who aren't christians and I can tell them that god You know commands you to um, you know to Follow this set of sexual rules and turn from the love of money and worship him alone as god And they don't agree with me, but they're willing to concede like okay Like that makes sense to us that god would make those rules But then when I tell them and he also commands you to take a day off every week They say no, he can't say that like god would never command us to do something like that Why is that? He says it's because our failure to rest often exposes our idols What we keep busy with, what we get too busy with, reveals some of the false gods that we have. We are fearful, and we want money to secure us, and so we work too much trying to make money. We feel insignificant, and so we use our jobs or our hobbies to sort of make us feel like we matter. We are anxious about other people's opinions of us, or we're anxious about our children's future, and so we fill up our schedules with activities to try To solve that anxiety. And against those false gods. Our creator insists that we need rest as creatures. We need rest. And then the Sabbath would also teach us the principle that worship is essential. Worship is essential as well. The Sabbath in the Old Testament is a day of rest and worship. I think sometimes we just fuse those together. But it's important to remember that both of them are true. Um, Even within exodus 20 here in the fourth commandment It says remember the sabbath day by keeping it holy That's the starting part by setting it apart to the lord and the seventh day is a sabbath It says to the lord your god We are meant to dedicate it to him That's made more explicit in places like in the book of leviticus It lays out all these holy days where israel is commanded to worship and gather together These days of sacred assembly they're called and the first holy day that israel is called to observe is this in leviticus 23 It says there are six days when you may work But the seventh day is a day of sabbath rest a day of sacred assembly Every sabbath the lord says is actually sort of a holiday that he's ordained for the israelites to keep and those days are meant to be days of sacred assembly of a kind of holy Coming together when we talk about what we do when I use the phrase gathered worship for what this thing is that we're doing That's actually just another way of saying sacred assembly Jesus also follows that pattern of regular worship For example in luke chapter 4 Jesus went to nazareth where he had been brought up and on the sabbath day He went into the synagogue as was his custom synagogue is where gathered worship happened in jesus's world and it was his custom it says so weekly he would go and gather there at the synagogue and he's god right he doesn't need to go but he does it because it seems important to him if regular rest is necessary for us as creatures it's also important for us to regularly engage in worshiping the lord That's true of our private worship. Remember, this is a principle that extends beyond just a specific command. All of us in our own lives and in our families need to set aside time to praise the Lord, read his word, meet with him. It also applies to gathered worship. Um, That's especially what that sacred assembly that Leviticus is talking about is discussing. Why are we commanded to set aside time for worship? Well, one of the reasons is that worship does for our hearts and our souls— The same thing that that rest does for our bodies that life in this physical world beats us up physically And so we just physically need to rest right to recover and be reoriented and life in this fallen world Beats us up spiritually And so we need to engage in rhythms of worship because those actually build us back up spiritually to live in the world And I think it's important for us to name that because often I don't know that we even realize how worn down in those ways we are. I mean, maybe you've had the experience with someone who's physically really weary, who's clearly, you know, just been living for a long time way outside their means where you talk to them and they're like, oh yeah, you know, I'm doing all right, I'm fine. And they've got, you know, black circles under their eyes and they look like they're going to fall over. And you're like, you're not fine, man, like you need rest. And the same thing can happen to us, I think, spiritually sometimes. That as we don't live into those rhythms of worship, a lot of us are kind of just running on spiritual fumes, right? And every once in a while, the engine kind of turns over once, and that's it, and then it stops. But we feel like that's it, because we don't even realize how weary we've become spiritually. We need worship, like rest, to function in those ways that God has called us to. So that's the general principle behind the commandment, Right? We're going to talk now about the idea of the sabbath, but those things are true of us as human beings Regardless of what you think of the specific command of the sabbath All of us are designed to work All of us need rest in our lives and all of us are called to rhythms of worship But that said we also need to talk about keeping the sabbath more specifically And we need to talk about that because I think this is probably The best way for us to live out those rhythms more generally We'll get there in a minute, though. First, let's talk about this question, is this commandment still in effect for us as Christians? There are plenty of people who will argue that it hasn't, and we should acknowledge that one thing has changed about the fourth commandment. Within the New Testament, we see that the church shifts which day it meets from the Sabbath, which would be the seventh day of the week, to the first day of the week. And they do that because jesus was raised on the first day and the spirit came on the first day And they seem to see that as a way of saying this is this new moment But that in itself does not change their view of the sabbath They I mean, they're still taking one day in seven and setting it aside for rest and worship, right? The bigger question is are we called to do that? And I do not have time to go through all of the arguments over that but let me just give you briefly Five reasons. I think we are all right Reason one is because the sabbath in scripture is seen as rooted in creation It is not some rule that god makes up with moses But as we read in exodus 20, it says in six days the lord made the heavens and the earth And therefore the lord blessed the sabbath and made it holy then because he rested on the seventh Which is to say the sabbath is holy because god rested on it during creation That's the logic of exodus 20 and given that we still live in the world that god created That means that that is still true of our world just like it was for the ancient israelites reason two The sabbath in scripture is treated as a moral issue in scripture Which is to say it's viewed not as part of just the ceremonial law But as a moral thing that god views as morally important We read from nehemiah 13 and we're going to talk about it more in a minute But it's striking Nehemiah is leading israel after they've been restored from exile And the exile is this kind of act of god's judgment But then nehemiah says this to israel about why they went into exile He says what is this wicked thing you are doing desecrating the sabbath day Didn't your ancestors do the same things so that our god brought all this calamity on us and on this city Now you are stirring up more wrath against israel by desecrating the sabbath Now, those are strong words. Nehemiah is essentially saying the reason you went into exile and Jerusalem was destroyed was because you broke the Sabbath. Now, to be clear, that is not the only reason Israel went into exile. Within the prophets, you see several reasons given. Um, They worship idols. they, um, They exploit the poor and the needy in their midst. They break God's law in terms of sexual immorality. And that they break the Sabbath. This is not the only place that that's listed. What's striking about that though is when you look at that list (laughs) right, you know, I mean God seems to be treating those four things as all similarly violations of his moral will Not just some ceremonial rules that he gives All right, so that's two reasons Reason three is that jesus kept the sabbath And we saw already that it says that it's jesus's habit. And this one gets tricky because um I think one of the reasons many christians struggle with the idea of keeping the sabbath is that in the gospels in the new testament stories about jesus We do see jesus regularly get in arguments with the pharisees over the sabbath The pharisees will come to jesus and say you're not keeping the sabbath and jesus will get in these arguments with them And that's true But the problem with that is that jesus in his arguments is not disagreeing with the idea of the sabbath In fact, if you think he is you're kind of agreeing with the pharisees Which is generally not a good rule in reading the bible But jesus does disagree with two things about the sabbath One is that he disagrees with the pharisees about the ways that they enforce human traditions about it So for example, there's like this story where jesus um, Is going to heal a guy um, of blindness and he spits in the the dirt and makes mud and rubs it in his eyes and the pharisees get all in a huff and the reason for that is because the pharisees in their many many rules about the sabbath this was their reasoning they say well making bricks on the sabbath is forbidden because it's work and the way that you make bricks is that you got to make mud in this day to make bricks out of um, so making mud should be forbidden on the sabbath and obviously if you spit in the dirt that makes mud and so if you have to spit on the sabbath you have to spit on a rock There's actually a rule that they enforced right and jesus says that is ridiculous That that rule that man-made tradition you came up with is is wrong. He does disagree with those traditions And jesus also disagrees with the ways that the pharisees would use the sabbath as an excuse not to obey god jesus would help people at times or um, you know or care for those in need heal people And they would say, you know, that's the sabbath. That seems like work and jesus's response. There would be it's the lord's day And there is an appropriate sort of work even on the lord's day that is serving the lord, right? And so he would say that that is permissible as well. He disagrees with those specific things But he doesn't disagree with the underlying idea of the sabbath and it is his practice to keep it All right reason four is that the early church kept the sabbath And we already noticed this one, too We talked about how the early church observed it on sundays But just one example of this from the book of acts on the first day of the week The church came together to break bread and paul spoke to the people and because he intended to leave the next day kept on talking until midnight Now this is a regular time of worship that the church seems to have on sundays where they come together They're breaking bread, which is the lord's table. They're celebrating that and paul preaches Um, the text doesn't actually say it's an evening service We all assume it's a service that starts at like 6 or 7 p.m And paul preaches to midnight. It's possible. That's not even the case But regardless they have this protracted time of gathered worship together And then reason five For most of church history Christians have agreed that we're supposed to keep the sabbath And I give that as a reason it's different from the others, right because church history isn't binding on us But here's why I point this out. Um, Every major tradition of the church, for almost all of its history, agreed that the fourth commandment meant that we should set aside one day from our work for rest and worship. Thomas Aquinas, the great, you know, Catholic theologian thought that. Martin Luther thought that. John Calvin did. John Wesley taught that the Sabbath was still binding for believers. Jonathan Edwards and Charles Spurgeon and Dwight Moody and Billy Graham all said that that was the case. And that's my list because I just looked up those names. I know some of you have no idea who those people are, but those are almost all of the kind of most significant famous thinkers in the last thousand years of the history of the church. And they all agreed on this point. What changed... Was not that a bunch of christians got down together and suddenly realized that their theology had always been wrong What happened is in the post-war years, especially starting in the 50s and 60s increasing as time went on There was a pressure from our culture To have people not follow the sabbath because it meant that you could make more money People realized that that was one in seven days that they commerce wasn't happening and they weren't able to make money and so you saw increasing pressure in our culture for people not to follow the sabbath and somehow mysteriously all the christians in the united states regardless of their tradition decided that actually the fourth commandment wasn't binding in its narrow sense anymore Uh, because the world you know just changed how it viewed that day and all of that taken together means that i think that we do need to think pretty seriously about the ease with which we say that this is only about general principles we do need to work and rest and worship in a general way but i think the best way we have to do that is by keeping the sabbath and that actually starts to get into the second piece of this if that's true let me tell you why the sabbath is good Maybe you heard all that stuff I said about rest and about worship and you thought that sounds good But it is really hard to make it happen in the midst of my life, right? And it is and part of the reason for that is there's just this general truth about humanity Which is that we do not do things in general only in particular Just as human beings. We do not do things in general only in particular so like if I decide that I need to spend more time with my wife That will not happen if what I do is say, I'm just going to generally try to spend more time with her, right? What I need to do if I want to spend more time with my wife is to set aside time for date nights and, you know, conversations and times that we can catch up. And our rest and worship are the same. We are called in a more general way to seek balance in those rhythms of our lives. But God has given us in his law a specific way, a particular way for us to do that. And that way is by setting aside one day in seven for those things. He says, here is a day that is set aside for you to recover and be nourished and be re-centered in me and be built back up. Do this particular thing and you will find that those general struggles get more in balance in your life. And I just personally have really experienced that reality. Um, Elizabeth and I earlier in our marriage were not particularly not at all inclined (laughs) to kind of try to keep the Sabbath separate I mean, we would always come to church, but we you know did not try to set aside the day as a whole for rest and worship and as we've become more convinced of that over the years, and frankly, as we've become more obedient, because I think we were probably convinced of that quite a while before we changed our behavior, but, um, <laughs> but as we became more obedient to that over the years, while we are not where we want to be and not perfect, it has become an enormously life-giving rhythm of our, you know, of our experience to have that time of rest and worship to the Lord. All right. Maybe you've got questions about that. And like I said, we if you want to visit about those ideas, we can do that. But we still this morning need to kind of answer one more question, which is if that's true, what does that actually look like? <laughs> like what does it actually look like then to set aside the Sabbath for rest and worship? And to answer that, I want to suggest there's two things. One is that we need to remove the yoke, and the other is that we need to bar the gates. Remove the yoke, but bar the gates. Here's what I mean. First, on the one hand, we need to remove the yoke of slavery and legalism. There is a certain type of discussions about the idea of Sabbath keeping that these lead to these bizarre debates and really specific questions and guilt and all kinds of bad stuff. Um, that's the path that the Pharisees take and that Jesus objects to. And there are times that certain Christians in history have been guilty of that. So if you want me to tell you like, well, can I go out to eat on a Sunday or how much time can I spend in food preparation or, you know, I am not. Those questions in many ways are not the right questions to ask because they lead to a sort of sense of bondage. In particular, if I can maybe speak to one principle that's worth having in our mind, the church has always taught that there are certain works of necessity that are allowed on the Sabbath. And that's based on some of the words of jesus for example from luke's gospel. He in disputing with the pharisees It says then jesus asked them If one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the sabbath day Will you not immediately pull it out? Which is to say we all understand that even though it's the sabbath if your kid falls in a well You're not like tread water down there. I'll come back tomorrow, (laughs) right? Um, You know that, that that even though it's work to pull the kid out. Obviously, that's a necessary work on the sabbath and so from that, there's a couple of principles that that, um, that Christians have applied. One is that there are certain jobs that, that do just have to be done on Sundays, right? Doctors and firefighters cannot take a Sabbath rest from those jobs. I have a job that I work on Sundays. And that is fine. People in such jobs should seek to Sabbath as they can. And should set aside other times to get, you know, rest and, and encouragement. It's not ideal in a sense, but that is absolutely permissible and then there's a second set of questions that are a little more complicated because lots of other jobs will try to get us to work on Sundays or make us work on Sundays right Um, even though it's not necessary and in those cases there's kind of two sides that need to be held in tension one of that one is that it is permissible in such cases probably I mean I think because providing for your family is necessary, right? And if if you're in a situation where you are just forced to to work there, that is fine. Um, However, we do need to be careful when we say that, because that's not the same thing as saying it's no big deal, right? I think the danger is that absolutely if your boss is like, look, like you have no choice, you have to come in some on Sundays and help with this thing, right? You know, I mean, you're going to be fired if you disobey your boss, like that is certainly permissible, I But if your boss is like, hey, you want to make some overtime? You know, you want to make a few extra bucks? That's not the same thing. And the danger is that we can take, you know, the first and kind of turn it into a like, oh, then I have permission not to care about that at all. Whereas biblically, there is a sense in which we do need to seek to preserve this day. All right. And then secondly, in terms of removing the yoke, what do we actually do on the Sabbath? And again, remember, we don't, there should not be a really fixed rigid regimen so here's the biblical principles one is that the gathered worship of the church is certainly meant to be a part of the sabbath um, in fact it's meant to be kind of this central event right this is the day of sacred assembly and so we should seek to be diligent in gathering together with believers in worship on a sunday there's other good stuff to do on a sunday but we're not called to rest from going to church right and then Secondly, we should be intentional about resting and that looks different for different people but resting does not just mean like In front of the tv all day, right? (laughs) Um, I mean, maybe occasionally that's fine But um, do you know go for a walk do something life-giving spend some time journaling Take a nap right naps are great on the sabbath But also be thinking about what things will really be restful to me and try to set aside time for that And then one last practical note Um, Just in general, the things that you do on the Sabbath are often more beautiful when they're shared with other Christians. It's a good opportunity to have some brothers or sisters together, both for the worship part, which is why we do this, but also for the resting part. So that is one side of the conversation, that we should not put a yoke on our shoulders. We should not make the Sabbath something that's done out of bondage or legalism, Feel freedom in how we think about it. But then the other side of the conversation is that we will need to bar the gate if we're going to keep the sabbath We're going to have to bar the gate We heard in our second reading this story from nehemiah We talked about it a little But basically what's happening is as israel is being restored these people from the surrounding nations and who lived in the land They're like hey There's like one day in seven that these people aren't working This is the perfect day for us to go like sell them stuff and you know And get them to come and and do all this stuff at the market and make business deals And you know, we can really like make a lot of money off of these people Um, And nehemiah treats that as a temptation to break the sabbath and he doesn't treat it lightly We saw his warning that he gives But then here's what nehemiah does in response if you start in verse 19 It says that when evening shadows fell on the gates of jerusalem before the sabbath I ordered the doors to be shut and not opened until the sabbath was over I stationed some of my own men at the gates So that no load could be brought in on the sabbath Nehemiah basically puts jerusalem on lockdown for the day and says no one's coming in No, one's going out and he's serious because in verse 20 It says once or twice the merchants and sellers of all kinds of goods spent the night outside jerusalem Presumably they're they're hoping that the that some of the people in jerusalem will like force nehemiah to open the gates So they'll sneak out or something Um, but nehemiah warned them and said why do you spend the night by the wall? If you do this again, I will arrest you and from that time on they no longer came on the sabbath So he actually is the governor of jerusalem says i'm going to send my men out and throw you in prison Even though you're like the merchants and businessmen that we trade with because of this and then that becomes the regular practice of god's people In verse 22, it says that he commanded the Levites to purify themselves and go and guard the gates in order to keep the Sabbath day holy. The Levites were the tribe that led Israel in worship, and Nehemiah appoints some of them as guards at the gates of Jerusalem, and that actually is an ongoing thing that goes forward in history from that point. Now, here's why I point that out. It is not because we can literally apply Nehemiah's method to our observation of the Sabbath, right? We live in the New Testament age, and Israel is not... God's people is not just a single nation anymore, right? So we can't actually like post guards at the the church doors or something to do it But the sabbath is a good blessing of god and it is beautiful and we should feel freedom in it But it is also hard And it will require us to sometimes make sacrifices And the world is eager to steal away from us our opportunity for rest and worship I can maybe name two particular areas where we need to think about barring the gates and protecting ourselves from that. One is that the Sabbath, doing it well requires preparation. And in particular, it means that we have to think a little bit differently about our Saturdays. right? Like we said, work is not just what you get a paycheck for. It includes other work, caring for the home, doing and executing just kind of necessary tasks. And if we're going to rest on those things on Sundays, that means we need to be intentional on Saturdays about getting them done. Now, that does not mean you can't also have fun on Saturdays. That's great. But the danger comes when you let the having fun on Saturdays turn into an excuse to just say, oh, yeah, like all the practical work that needs to be done, we can just take care of that on Sunday. So we need to think that way. And then in particular, in our day, one of the biggest ways that we have to think about barring the gates is that this commandment means that we're going to have to say no to certain things that would otherwise be good or permissible. And I want to be careful here about not putting out a yoke, but I also want to be clear about this. On the one hand, um, we can feel grace as we think about our activities and our kids' activities and things like that, right? You know, I mean, your kid or grandkid has some, like, state tournament, right? You know, on a Sunday. Like, I'm not saying you can't go to that. But I am saying that consistently deciding to sacrifice months of sabbaths to those things and particularly deciding that it's okay to consistently sacrifice the gathered worship of the Lord to those things um, is almost certainly breaking the fourth commandment and is something that is um, the scripture would call us not to do. In our day, as in Nehemiah's, there are ample temptations for us to go and do good things, right? Like, go trade at the market is the thing in Nehemiah's day that would otherwise be fine, but keeping the Sabbath means that Israel is going to have to lose out on that. I mean, even though in that story in Nehemiah, they're losing out on real economic opportunities, right? And I know that that is hard for some of us to hear, but hear that through the lens of this underlying reality. Rest and worship are good and Beautiful and having that day that's set aside to those things is good and beautiful And too often what happens is that these people come to us and they say here's this other great stuff, you know And oh here's some, you know some good opportunities to meet some people and give your kids experience for their resume and and these good things And they offer us those things when in fact what they're doing is robbing us of that opportunity to rest and praise the lord There are thieves in our day, like in Nehemiah's, that are eager to, without us even noticing, take those chances to rest from us. And we need to bar the gates against those people. All right. So that's covered a lot of ground, I know. And in some ways, I know that it is challenging ground for some of us. One of the interesting things that I commented on to Elizabeth was that this is one of those commandments that I feel like, you know, is, is really a lot harder for us than we appreciate as we go into it. So as we close and prepare for the table, let me just do this before we finish. Let me just tell you about what our Sabbath these days as we've sought to grow in it actually looks like. Not because you have to do these things, but because it's good, right? So last Sunday, first we, you know, we came together in the gathered worship of the church. And that is different when, you know, when your husband is the pastor. I know it's probably not as restful as it might be otherwise, but for both of us, It's still a time when we feel an enormous spiritual nourishment and are encouraged by God, but we gathered in worship, and then we got lunch with some folks from the church and were able to share just some good conversation and fellowship and rest, and then in the afternoon I took a nap and we played with the kids and we just kind of relaxed at home, and then we had a few folks come over for supper and just had some like soup and simple fare with them, and then We we do family worship in the evenings and we just invited those people to stay with us for that time And sang hymns and read scripture together and prayed and then that was it. That was the sabbath And you know what that description of a day in some ways it sounds like very little happened compared to a typical day of my life but But both generally spiritually And maybe especially as we have been in a season where there's a lot of heaviness and struggle spiritually That is like lifeblood to us like that that rhythm of rest and worship sustains us and nourishes us week to week so that we can carry forward and what i hope that we recognize and what honestly i have just come over the years to recognize about the sabbath is two things one is that it is commanded by scripture and it is something that i need to seek to obey but two it's commanded by scripture because it is good and nourishes the soul and the more that i live into that rhythm the more it really builds up and nourishes me so that's God's word. Let's pray together then as we pray to come to his table. Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you for the goodness that you would give us this hard command to set aside this time, and for the grace that you show us in it. I pray that you would help us all to be more faithful in observing it. Thank you for your love for us in Jesus. Amen.